0: hello and welcome to the spiraling higher podcast hosted by me sam mindset
1: and manifestation coach and me gina your biz and mindset coach we're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing manifestation consciousness and spirituality
0: we hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life manifest like a boss and together Spiral higher.
1: Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! I happy Halloween. <laughs> actually, hate Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't. I don't. I really do. I don't like being scared. I don't like scary movies. I only like Halloween now because of Emmeline, because she likes mm. going. Um, but even her, she doesn't want to go into any scary houses or the ones that have really creepy decorations. So. Yeah, until I had her, I I just I'm not a Halloween person. That's so funny. Halloween used to be,
0: I think, my favorite holiday. Not because I like spooky stuff, but I found that um I lived in a really like southern subdivision where it was like there was a really great homeowners association and we had like hay bale rides and like adults (laughs) dressed up and like it was like a group event to go trick or treating around the block and it was a super safe area. I never really thought about that as a kid, but it's so crazy. I was watching these videos last night and it was on um, last week tonight with John Oliver. Mm. And he was basically making fun of all of these police force videos, basically warning people about Halloween. (laughs) And it was really funny, but also the messaging was so strange. The messaging was like, make sure that you just don't go into someone's house that you don't know, like don't invite kids into your house. And I was watching it and I was like, wait, Did they say stuff like this when I was a kid? Because, like, I don't remember us being afraid of trick or treating, but I know the world has changed.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think they said that before either. Because I grew up in really, really small towns and we just, like, my parents never even knew where I was. I would just, like, leave the house (laughs) and I would just come back. And so, because one of the towns I lived in, there was only one street. Like the main street Mm -hmm. was like maybe two blocks. And at the end of that was a school. And at the other end of it was a highway. So that was kind of it. There wasn't a lot of places for you to go, but I definitely don't think that narrative was out until, until more recent years. Yeah. Like I had this moment when I was watching those, those funny ads and I was like, wait, I didn't
0: think of trick-or-treating as dangerous. Like, am I just so sheltered? But also, I'll never forget this. When I was living in New York City between the ages of 18 and 20, I actually was a babysitter for these like rich kids on the Upper East Side. (laughs) And I babysat them like maybe, I don't know, three times. But one of the times was like right before Halloween. And I said, oh my gosh, what are you guys going to dress up as for Halloween? And they were like really excitedly telling me about their costume. And then I said, are you going to go trick-or-treating? And they were like, "What's that?" <laughs> and I was like, "What? What?" So, and then I was like, "It makes sense. You guys live in New York City. I don't. I don't even know what your trick or treating version would look like."
1: Yeah, I so um, weird. It's actually funny because nowadays, what the weird thing is is having homemade things to give out. Like if somebody mm, packages something, that's kind of creepy. You're you just throw it out right away. <laughs> there are oh some places that do that. One of the houses we went hit up a few years ago they were giving out apples from their yard. <laughs> no. And I was like, no. yeah, we're not going to have this one. And some of them would package like cookies or I think one of them gave us, you know, like the fruit leathers. They're kind of like dried fruit mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. They gave us like some of that. Um, yeah, we threw all of that out. <laughs> oh my God, that's actually so funny. That That's so
0: creepy. But also just looking beyond this from like a, I don't know, like an expanded social sociological perspective it is so weird that we like get kids to buy into this idea of wanting to desire candy it's like Mm. it's very corporate capitalist profit-driven it's kind of creepy like what are why are we doing that like why are we handing out like really sugary stuff that's bad for children's brains
1: i know i mean i think for kids though it's i mean i guess at emeline's age now it is kind of about the candy but it's more about the friends. It's more about the experience of going out there and staying up late and seeing all the costumes. It reminds me of like movies. Like I remember watching Shrek with Emmeline Mm -hmm. and there's so many inappropriate jokes in there. But as a kid, when you're watching it, you're totally not picking up on that. And so it Mm -hmm. reminds me of that where I think we as adults were like, yeah, they're just promoting candy and sugar. Mm -hmm. But I think to the kids, they feel more, I think, connected to, at least my kid, more connected to the experience. And she... Of course, you don't.
0: But that's a thing. It's an it's insidious when you're a kid. You don't know that you're being programmed to like desire that, right? But I was. For me, it was about the candy. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I would go home, and we were like trading stuff. It was like, okay, like you want the Kit Kat? Well, here I go. I've got the good bar.
1: It was like (laughs) that was later for me. That was more like in. I would say, like grade five and up for me, I think is when that more started. Emeline's definitely into the trading candy. I think now, cause she's in grade three, but up until she was, I think three years old, she didn't even know what the candy was. We would go trick or treating and she thought like the containers were like rattles and like instruments. She would just get all the candy, come home and then we would just take the candy and she completely forgot about it. <laughs> so even lollipops, uh. she thought they were like wands. So I was like, it's a magic wand. <laughs> And then eventually she knew what it was, and now she loves it. So
0: that's so funny. I was legitimately obsessed with the candy, and I was like, I was like a little druggy, like going to get my supplies like from people's doorsteps. Like I <laughs> felt like I needed to collect the most amount, and it was almost like a competition, like who could get the best stuff.
1: Yeah, for because sure. You, yeah. There are some houses where you walk away and you're like, oh, that was really crappy. Well, some like, I give away like the full size bars which is really exciting. That's exciting. One of the we went into this really really rich neighborhood and they were giving out like goodie bags with full size chocolate bars, full size chips, they were giving out Play-Doh, like all of this other stuff in there. I was like, "Wow, we need to come back here." <laughs> um but you're right, you're right. Obviously, it is a very insidious thing that we are program programming them to crave this sugar. What's interesting though in her classroom is they don't actually let you bring it to school. Oh, really? You can't bring candy? I mean, some classrooms do. They'll say one item a day, but her classroom this year said none at all, which is kind of disappointing, but also kind of good. <laughs> so is there... like I'm
0: thinking about when I grew up in school, there was vending machines everywhere. Do they no, not have... No, there's none.
1: Not, not, that's more in high wow. school here. They don't do that in elementary school.
0: Wow, that's so weird. You had them in yeah. elementary school? Yeah, I just feel like, well, the elementary school is in the same was in the same building as the middle oh, and high school.
1: Oh, interesting. So yeah. they're just yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: But also I I have been having this sort of like sociological, anthropological exploration since coming back to the States. So obviously I leave this week, but my husband, who's Canadian, is here with me. And I mean, even me, I haven't been living here for so many years. I've been in Canada for eight years or maybe even nine years. So coming down here back to my hometown with him, it's so funny because he can't help but notice just how commercialized everything is. Mm. Like if we drive literally three minutes away from this apartment complex, there is like Taco Bell, KFC, Arby's, McDonald's, Sonic, Starbucks, and like a Jack in the Box all on the same block, mm. like all across from each other. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I would never see that where we live in Canada, um, at least in Vancouver. There's actually not a lot of fast food. Like you kind of have to go out of your way to find it. And it's it. sprinkled throughout. It's sprinkled, yeah. Like it's it's not just going to be like a whole like haven of fast food joints. Yeah. But we keep driving around. And then the other day he noticed whoa like what's that and I was like I don't, I don't know I've never even noticed that building and it was a cigarette drive through what like l- literally the sign on the side was cigarette outlet low prices and then there was a car literally in the drive through kind of like you would at like a bank or something or even a drive through at a restaurant and someone was literally handing him like a little paper bag with assuming cigarettes inside I've never heard of that no, even me, even me, I'd never heard of that because he's like, that's so weird that you grew up with businesses and establishments like that. And I was like, oh no, I never even noticed that. But it's actually always been there. And then he was talking to me about how when he took the car the other day to go get lunch, he's listening to the radio because he doesn't have like Bluetooth hooked up to mm-hmm. the car. And the radio has so many like ads he would like never suspect to hear in Canada, like like pro-lifer um, ads mm-hmm. and then ads about like... Um, like senior homes. I don't know. It was just interesting. He was saying to me, wow, like people are really getting programmed with different information down here yeah. than we
1: are. Yeah. It's so strange. I mean, you just think about even just around the world, right? Just all the different places you go to. It's so different. The context is so different. Um, even just like when I would move from one city to another, right? Just growing up, every area, every neighborhood, every group of friends, every classroom, it's like its own little mini ecosystem of just what you are being programmed to think and like. Like even in high school growing up, going from one school to the other, like what the kids were into. It's like, was it a backpack? Was it a certain type of jeans? Was it a brand? And they're all different based on where I would live. And so I would just have to basically erase who I was before and embody who I needed to be in that new school to to fit in and to feel mm-hmm. like I was one of them. <laughs> it's so crazy. There
0: are like these two different ideas bopping around in my head. I mean, one of them is how I watched this TikTok video last night. And it was basically all of the Gen Z versions of millennial-like obsessions. So for example, millennials loved the pineapple and the Gen Z equivalent to that is the mushroom or how we loved a certain like chevron pattern it was kind of like (laughs) yeah yeah, like that was a thing right but they love the checkered pattern and it's so funny because i feel that gen z thinks they're so unique they're like oh we're so cool and like (laughs) we love all of these like retro things and it's like we're literally going to make fun of you liking those retro things in 10 years (laughs)
1: yeah no kidding i mean it's, it's yeah it's so weird to think i mean it's actually cycles back too, right? Because like looking at Emmalyn, they're all 90s, like all of her outfits. I know. It's actually... The choker that she was wearing? The choker, the flares I had, I was obsessed with flares and I had these... I never stopped. (laughs) I, I stopped for a long time, but I loved like flare overalls. I had these overalls with flare bottoms and... I just remember growing up and all of our parents, like not my parents, but like my friend's parents would say, I had bell bottoms and I had those kind of jeans. And I remember feeling like they were just so old. And now that's me. (laughs) That's literally you. (laughs) Literally me. I'm the mom that's like, I used to wear that back in the day. I try to refrain so I don't feel too old, but that's okay. Age is nothing. Age is really nothing.
0: But the other thing that's been really bringing up for me is this concept of the authentic self because we talk about that a lot and i yeah. think everyone's talking about that right and it's kind of shelling forth this idea that there is like one inherent like teeny tiny russian doll version of you like if we like unpack all of the masks and like cultural conditioning and there's like this pure version of you inside that's like that's the true you and i'm kind of realizing that's not really true because the true me could actually be the exploration of one of my masks right like even like Halloween, right? We're literally dressing up and putting on masks and like putting on outfits, but that's still us. Like we're exploring ourselves through that discovery mm-hmm. or that expression. And I think for so long, I was like really startled about how conditioned I was. Like I, I, like you said, who really are we without this conditioning? Like, can we even function in the world? Probably not. But I thought to myself that I wanted to become the like purest version of myself that was not conditioned. It's mm. like, I don't want to be like the version of me that was like raised in America, the version of me that was Korean. I just like, what am I like without all those systems of thought and those beliefs? And I searched for a really long time, like trying to find that like core me and I'm realizing that it's not real. Like I am me when I am exploring who knows what it means to be Canadian. I am me when I go on a trip and I'm suddenly inspired by that. And it like influences my style choices. Like that is me. Like Mm -hmm. me is being is there along all of the cultural explorations of the things I've been programmed to receive and engage with, and this idea of trying to find like a pure unconditioned me, it's just I can only find it in meditation, and that's like not how I live my life. Twenty three hours of the day,
1: and you're not designed to, right? I think I think it goes back to the conversations we've had before about how there is in the spiritual world this, yeah, this tendency to desire a version of you that's. Like pure spirit, yeah. It's like purity, yeah. But you're you're human, like you're human, and it reminds me a lot of um. I've talked to a lot of parents, and obviously read a lot of parenting things, and um, there's this like feeling of when your kid is growing up, like you're losing them, right? Like they're Mm. they're changing and they're shifting. Um, like even this year, it's the first year that she doesn't want to only trick or treat with us. Like she wants to go with her friends, and so that's an adjustment. And there's a part of it where you feel like, like I said, you're losing them. Mm. But I heard someone say that it's them the whole way through. Even when she's 50, yes. it's still her. Yeah. when she's 20, it's still her. When she gets married, it's still her. When she doesn't want to trick or treat with me, that's still her. You know, that she's still in there. So it reminds me a lot of what you were just saying: that when we are in a good mood and we're happy and we're vibrant and when we're sad or when we're in pain, we're that's still us. We're still in there.
0: hmm Yeah. It's so crazy. I literally just learned like last month that I'm still me when I'm upset because yeah. I, I sort of had this belief that I was only me or I was like the true me when I was like at peace or like in joy or happy and expressive. But then I would experience obviously duality, the opposite. I would experience the opposite of joy. I would experience darkness and I'd be like, oh, like this isn't me. This isn't me and i was realizing through that language how much i was rejecting myself and like a lot of parts of my life experience like life is both life is dancing between the light and the dark and anytime i would experience darkness i'm just like oh that's not me that's not me and then i would also isolate myself because i was like i don't want people to think that this is me mm-hmm. like cuz i don't like this version of me and so there was a lot of shadow work that had to go into that and um it's funny because the reason why I wanted to record this before the month of October was over is because remember when we had that numerology reading with Joy and she was like, Octobers are very significant. Yes. They basically provide as... Um, like teaser trailers for the remainder of the next year. Like mm-hmm. what happens in October is a sneak peek into your following year. And I think that naturally led me to develop a low key fear of October's. <laughs> I was a bit like, oh my God, like I have to make sure that October is like really good as if I was like securing my fortune yeah. for the next year. So, no different this year than previous years. I did the same thing. I was like, okay, October is going to be. Amazing, like you know how of a good how good of a mood I was in before I left uh, Vancouver, preparing for October, which was like the start of my nomading three months, and I had all of these intentions, I had all of these desirable experiences that I wanted to co-create, and then like one week into October, like I just started like hardcore crashing because. It was a lot of energy in order for me to get ready to move. As soon as I got to Tennessee, it was like meeting up with like friends and a family. And my body was like, I'm so tired. Time change. And so for like a week, I was just so low and I was freaking out because I was like, oh no, like, is this like a sign of like, what's to come in 2024? Like I have to turn this October around. So I was experiencing all this resistance, obviously, to what is because I'm like, no, 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 this October can't be like this. I have to turn it around. Then so funny, Joy actually commented on one of my story posts. And it was like something really sweet, like festive, have a happy festive October to you. Remember that what happens in October is, you know, a beautiful symbol of what's to come. Like you're in a seven month and a seven month is the month of spirituality. And I thought about it when she messaged me because I was like, that's so weird. I've been thinking about her actually all month so far. So I messaged back and I said, Oh, thank you so much. I've actually been a little bit nervous because October hasn't been going as planned. (laughs) And then she messaged back saying, don't be afraid. October can also provide us insight into the challenges that might come up next year so that we can get ahead of them. And that reframe just changed everything for me. I mean, we literally are living in worlds that are created by our thoughts, so we can change them with a new thought. And suddenly, what I was fearing so desperately, I began to embrace. And then October became the month that I really, I really was there for myself when Mm -hmm. I didn't feel good, and I had to reverse also the narrative that I wasn't myself as I was going through it. Yeah. And I started treating myself like, no, this is still you, because I, I started to imagine like if you had come up to me and you were in a really bad mood, and I was like, this isn't you. Who are you? (laughs) Talk talk to me when Gina comes back. Like, no, that is Gina just feeling down. Like that is Gina feeling tired. And so I stopped rejecting myself. I like really started just kind of like loving the experience of taking care of myself, which I know you also can parallel. But suddenly at the end of October, because this is the last day of October, I can see that I had the exact that I was supposed to have. And if that was a teaser into my next year, I have made peace with that. I'm like, okay, maybe next year will be about noticing when I am feeling a moment of darkness and to include that as part of my life experience rather than to exclude that. And I also found that in doing this, my life felt so much more it felt more alive, right? Like I felt like it was okay to participate with the darkness, which kind of reminds me of um Xavier's episode. Mm. Remember? Like there's something about having that darkness like kind of have its way with you. And I kind of like, it felt like rolling around in mud. I was like, okay, like we're just going to do this and it's going to be messy, but let's have fun with it. And so, yeah, that was my October.
1: Yeah. I feel like you're not fighting with what is. I think that's what is always the suffering part. And I think what I can hear so clearly is when you're saying like, oh, that's not me. That's not me. It's not that it's not you. It's just we're rejecting and not accepting that part of us. And that's why we're like, nope, that's not me. We don't even want to claim it, right? That'd be like, I don't know, having a kid and the kid's going crazy in the mall and you're like, that's not my kid. <laughs>
0: that's literally, not my kid. Literally, yeah.
1: And you're rejecting that person from being you or being a part of you. And I think that's what hurts so much, right? It's not mm-hmm. that you're in a bad mood. It's that you're not okay with being in that state. And that inside of our bodies does not feel good because it's like, all I need is for you to see me and accept me, but all you're doing is hoping for me to go away. And I feel like this past month, what I see from the outside for you is, October was the month of, yeah, you like really listening to yourself, loving yourself, accepting yourself, having these breakthroughs, resting. Like that's what I see and that's going to hopefully be duplicating for all of next year and that was very much the same narrative as me. Um this past month has been really intense. I think we've talked about this where I feel like I blinked and it's the end of October. Um cuz mm-hmm. every week was quite heavy, um dealing with um doing the ashes for my mother-in-law and then actually for the past six days, seven days, I've had a migraine. I had like a six day long migraine and I was just completely out of commission, just resting all day, every day. And I had the same thought as you. I'm like, is my October now telling me that all the (laughs) next year is going to be in bed? (laughs) I'm just not going to be doing anything. But no, like you, I'm looking at it and it's like, no, it was the month of me realizing yeah, how to take my care, care of myself in a deeper, better way. And it was just like the month of epiphanies. I feel like I've learned so much about me, um, a lot about the grieving process with my mother-in-law, how to really surrender. Um, definitely acceptance was another really big theme for me um, with the migraine where I, w- I didn't sleep. It always triggers my insomnia. Um, so actually last night was my first night sleeping pretty much all the way through in like a few weeks. And You know, for anybody who struggles with insomnia, you know, there's like a moment in the middle of the night where you're fine. You're like, it's okay. It's okay. And then you want to like punch the wall because you're so frustrated that you can't freaking fall asleep. And I know that what I need the most is sleep. so that my migraine goes away. But if I'm not sleeping, it's like, how do you not get frustrated? How do you not will and mm-hmm. hope that the migraine goes away? And I think what that really taught me was not that my whole rest of the year is going to p- be filled <laughs> with insomnia and migraine, but it's going to allow me to access a deeper level of acceptance and being with what is and loving what mm-hmm. is and loving me in what is, you know, and how do I just keep on responding to myself in the most loving way like this whole month i've been wearing clothing that feels more cozy to me or if i feel like i want to be uplifted i'm wearing brighter colors like i'm finding all of these new ways to incorporate through my five senses honestly ways to yeah nurture myself like i've even been drinking a lot of korean tea podicha if you know what that is it's just been so soul filling to even give myself that so i feel like what i've learned in october is all new layers and pathways to access love for myself.
0: Mm, that's so beautiful. I think what I've learned, and I would say it differently because you know me, but for me, it's more like I learned that I am not entitled to not caring for myself. Like I almost had this energy up until this year where I'm just like, almost like being an abusive relationship where it's kind of like, I don't have to
1: treat you well, but I expect you to like treat me well. And that's yeah, I know yours is really... like conditional. Yours is like, I'll treat you well as long as you do X, Y, Z. And if you don't, you're going to be grounded. And I'm going to cut myself off from you until you come back. Yeah, sort of for sure.
0: But more so that like, I really thought that I could get away with like taking such little care of myself. Like, and if my body were to react, oh my God, I'm just really mad about that. Like, I'm just, I'm so yeah. mad, but it's like, It's only giving me that signal of like, tired. I mean, I talked to my client last night about how so much of us as a culture, we have demonized rest. So I told her about how when we get the signal to go to the bathroom, we don't like have a whole identity crisis during that. We're like, I just need to go to the bathroom. And we're glad we got that signal because if we ignored it, that would be a bad situation. But when we get the signal that we need to rest or take a break, we have a whole... Freaking crisis over it. Like there's shame, there's guilt, there's judgment. It's not just, oh, I'm tired. It's a whole like threat to your identity and what you believe is possible or what you need to do. And so that happened to me a lot this year, especially this month too, where I was just really recouping from packing up and lo- leaving my previous home. I just felt so tired. And once I finally acknowledged that being tired wasn't bad, I was actually able to rest because it kind of reminds me of like the relationship to money. It's like, if you think money is bad, like you're, like you're greedy or you are somehow unjust for having a lot of money, then you're obviously going to block yourself from getting money. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was blocking myself from getting the abundance, getting getting an abundant rest because I kept thinking it was bad. Like, oh, like I'm bad if I like spend this much time in bed. Like, oh, I'm bad if I like don't focus on my business. But I started just seeing rest like a hunger cue or a bathroom cue, like oh, that means I need to go get some shut eye, like or that means I need to like just rest my brain and meditate, because if I don't do it, my body rebels really badly.
1: Yeah, your body, but will all of respond. us do. Um, all of us do, and and that's been the craziest thing too, because I mean, I used to get migraines multiple times a month, and now they've lessened a lot because I've reduced a lot of my addiction to adrenaline and stimulation and all of that, but. Yeah, when you get the migraine, the initial thought is like, yeah, why is this happening? But yeah, you know, it's now, resistance. It is resistance. And I think now I, we've talked about this a lot over the past few weeks is the connection to my body and the communication lines between me and my body are so open now. I can hear mm. it talking to me so clearly. So in my case with the migraine, I actually talk to the migraine. I know that sounds yeah weird, but I talk to it all the time. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And mm. you can hear it say, I was thinking too much or this was too much today or all of this planning, I just need a rest. It's not even like it's getting mad at me. It's more just very clear, oh, okay, you need to shut down and go off of line because I've been using you too much. It's very much like, it's so funny. My daughter comes home from school and she's like, it's so weird, my ankles hurt. And I'm like, yeah, probably because you were doing 14 cartwheels in a row and jumping (laughs) off of like the highest point of like the playground and it makes sense. And so again, that's her body telling her, I'm overused. My Your ankle hurts because Literally. we used it too much. And so that signal now doesn't have the same meaning it had before of like, wow, I'm worthless or useless yes. or whatever. It's just, oh, I need rest. Just like the pee thing. Like If you have to go pee, you just go to the bathroom and go pee. And we've said this so many times, but... The body is always talking to you. The body is always communicating to you, but are you open enough to listen to it? Or or are you only looking at the external noise, right? Because even what you were saying about not wanting to accept that like you're really tired and what that means about you and feeling like it's bad. It's also, we're listening to what other people think of us when we're resting, right? It's like, well, what happens if I cancel this meeting? What happens if I have to reschedule this podcast recording? Now we're also worried about what the other person is thinking about us, which ultimately obviously boils down to what we think of ourselves, but Mm -hmm. there's just so many layers. And I think when you remove that and you just prioritize you and you, At the end of the day, everybody else wins. And it goes back to that Xavier episode too of like being okay with being the villain. I'm a hundred percent okay with looking like the quote unquote villain for canceling if it's in honor of taking care of me, because otherwise, then I'm only the villain to myself by not taking care of me. And I refuse to let myself down in that way and ignore and ignore that communication signal from my body.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always so funny how we think it really is other people's opinions that we're afraid of, but we're really just afraid of our own internalized narrative about yeah. what we've made that mean. And of course, there are like collective meaning makings that we share with other people, which is why we project that other people are thinking it. Mm-hmm. But this is what I've realized. The people who've really done the work are not thinking it. It's only the people who haven't done the work. Totally. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so for true. me, I'm, I'm not I've never really been concerned with other people think I already know it's me thinking it which doesn't necessarily make it easier because you're still dealing with a very unconscious, deeply embedded thought. But that has been the past couple months for me where I am undoing the narrative that rest is anything other than a bodily need. And this past month was when I realized that honoring my body is actually honoring divine intelligence, God, universe, because it has a divine order. Like the body is very intelligent. It is not ever acting out of alignment. It is only ever trying to seek balance. It's like it's like water trying to find its flow in a river. It's like, even if there's like boulders and stuff, the water will still try to move around it. I feel like that's my body Mm -hmm. and I am the boulders. Like I am literally in my mind creating blockades and resistance towards the healing because if my body tells me by giving me like scratchy feelings behind my eyes or like a heaviness in my chest, it's literally saying, this is too much, I need to take a break. But if I think that that's bad and that that's going to get in the way of like us doing what we need to do, then I'm not honoring literally divine intelligence. And I know that I said that numerous times now, but I've realized that the way that my body moves through life and takes care of me without me doing anything, like my heart is beating, my blood is flowing, my cells are overturning, like everything is happening without my intervention. Why would needing to take rest be any different? Mm. Because whenever that signal comes up, I usually go into my mind and think that I know better. I'm like, no, I don't need to rest. No, I'll have a coffee instead. Or like, no, if I rest, this is X thing is going to happen. And learning to trust my body's signals has put me into such, such a beautiful rhythm with myself. And I have to remind me and my clients all the time that like we live in here we live in this body. Like Life is only going to feel as good as our relationship to this body. Even if we had every single manifestation in the world, we had the glowing business, we had an amazing relationship, we had money flowing into the bank. If this body
1: does not feel good, none of that feels good. Yeah. None of that even matters. None of it matters. Yeah. It's so interesting to just think back to how addicted we were to not resting before. Like, it's actually hard for me to even remember how deep and deeply entrenched my mind was in just never resting. Yeah. Yeah. like And it's so, it feels so far away from me now. Um, But we still kind of fall into it sometimes, right? Because I think mine is not necessarily that I care what people think, but it's what I said to you before. Like, if I have to cancel a podcast recording because I'm not feeling well, it's like, it's not that I think you think something bad about me because you're literally telling me like, let's take a break. But it's like, I feel bad for like the loss of the experience that you're not having anymore, which is like so funny because again, that would be... But we just reschedule. Well, that's the thing. We just reschedule and we just do it later. Like there really is no loss. And that's all It's a just, scarcity mindset. It's totally scarcity. And it is going back to our suffering episode. It's me trying to carry like you're suffering and making that my responsibility, but you can handle that on your own. You can handle whatever disappointment you have about not recording on your own. That's not for me to carry or handle. And but you're actually not even carrying mine. Like you just made it up. I don't even. It, well, have Well, that's that. what I mean. It's like you're literally making up in your own mind, and you, you're trying to carry somebody else's. That's not. It either doesn't even exist, or it's either way. It doesn't even matter if it exists or not. It's not for you to carry. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's so wild. I mean, I think one one of the best things that I've learned recently, um, I mean, over the past couple of years, just somatically working with my clients is the body is the unconscious mind, Mm -hmm. right? The body is what actually knows things before your mind does. And your body never lies. Your mind lies to you all the time, like all the All the time, all the time. Your body cannot lie. Your body can't fake a migraine. Your body can't Mm -hmm. fake fatigue, right? When there is that sort of physiological sensation of needing to rest, wanting to lay down, your legs hurt, your head hurts, whatever that is, there's a message in there. It's not made up. It's the truth. And it's up to us to develop that communication system with our bodies, to tune in, to ask, what is it that you need? And for, I think for all of us, across the board, we all need more rest. We Mm -hmm. all need more rest. We all need more nourishment. I mean, you just think about like a a phone. We've talked about this too, or like a laptop. I opened my laptop and it was dead this morning. So I had to plug it in right away. I'm not mad at my computer for having to charge it. I understand that that is what's going to help it to work optimally. Even when we're using a lot of data and we're recording on here, it does require you to be connected to a source of the electricity Mm -hmm. so that it can function better. Right. So it's the same thing for us. We need to be plugged into source so that we can function optimally and we can be, yeah, I guess not distracted by the body's way of yelling at us because we're not listening. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's the noise that we're trying to get away from. Not, not rest.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, it's so interesting. I've talked to multiple clients about this, but a lot of what our de- a lot of our demonization of rest is so cultural too, because if you look at other parts of the world, they're taking a nap in the middle of the day. Like, that's baked. In, yeah. It's baked into the culture. And that comes from like medieval times. Yeah. And so I joke to a client that I am trying to mirror my abundant life after like basically a rich person in the medieval, in like the middle ages. <laughs> because a rich person in the medieval ages, like, even if they were like a successful entrepreneur, like they worked like four hours, yeah. literally. Like, like, they opened their shoe cobbler store for like four hours and then like drank wine and like had a big feast. Like, that was literally normal life. Obviously they had slaves and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not trying to get into a conversation about that, but I'm just saying that there was a there was a more naturally aligned mm, rhythm to work. I feel that they mirrored more like animals because if you look at animals, they're literally resting all the time. All the time. I feel
1: like I mean they rest I, when they need to.
0: Bottom line, not even like they're literally unless they're expending energy for a purpose, they are always resting. I look at animals. I mean, I have a dog and I'm literally observing him all the time. I'm like, you do nothing. You literally just lay there all day. And you look at gorillas, which we obviously evolved from. This is, this is not a radical thought. This is science. Like they are literally just chilling all the time. And so I've kind of like, remembered that I'm an animal this month. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, like I have the same needs as other mammals. Like, why would I think I'm like a superhuman? Mm. Which is a whole, nother story. A whole other story. Whole other story.
1: That's what you would be for Halloween—is superhuman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that I
0: think that we do sell this idea, especially in the West, that like you can basically like hack being human. Yeah. It's, we even call it biohacking, right? Yeah. There are people who are obsessed with like optimizing the human condition, which basically is just perfectionism. Hmm. It's like, how can I literally ascend anything that I believe to be subhuman? And I think that one of those things is being tired. Like being tired is somehow considered subhuman and not just part of being human.
1: Yeah, we're trying to kind of like build on top of the human experience and like almost like, I don't know, what I'm envisioning is like having like an old flooring or something. And instead of like ripping out the old flooring, you're just like trying to go on top of it to create something else. And it feels like we're trying to do that sometimes with just trying to change Our natural physiology, just for what? For more profit? For more productivity? Mm -hmm. For what? Is that really what's best for us? And it reminds me of that quote that you shared a long time ago about moving at the speed of nature. You know, when you go into a forest walk and you see the trees, like there's this one tree right outside of my window that's like lost all its leaves, and it's not any less of a tree. That's just part of its journey as a tree that the leaves fall off and then they come back on, you know, and I think one theme that you and I've been talking about a lot is how our bodies are always seeking coherence, right? Between Mm -hmm. your body, your mind, your heart, your nervous system is always trying to come back to homeostasis. It's always trying to be coherent, but most of the time we're operating like a car that has four wheels all going in different directions. And that's why we feel all of this frenetic energy. That's why we feel so stressed out all the time. When those wheels are all going in the same direction, that's when we feel like we're in alignment. That's when we feel we're, you know, that's when I think we feel connected to source. We feel it connected to ourselves. And I think when you understand that when you feel bad, quote unquote, when you're feeling tired, headaches, whatever kind of physical symptoms you're getting, that's not your body like rejecting you or going against you or failing you. I think sometimes mm-hmm. people think that, you know, like, why is my body doing this to me? That's just your body trying to get back to balance. That's Mm -hmm. actually your body healing itself and trying to guide itself back to resting because that's what it needs to offset whatever else you've gone through. You know, The past few weeks have been very busy for both of us, you and I both. We've both traveled. I mean, you've traveled a lot more than I have just airplane-wise, but um, it was still to my body. My body doesn't know that I haven't been on an airplane or not. It just knows that it's stress and I've been doing a lot. So Following that week, I had this huge migraine where I was literally just in bed all day. And instead of thinking, oh my gosh, my body's going against me, betraying me. It's like, wow, my body is so wise that this is what it knows it needs to do in order to come back into balance. It's trying to get those wheels going in the same direction. And the more that I try to push my vehicle, my body... To just keep going anyway the more that the wheels continue to get out of whack right so just allowing that time for the wheels to all come back into coherence spending the time to rest not rushing it either right because that's another layer of it trying to hope and wish and push away the migraine just creates even more resistance so again it just goes back to that acceptance piece that if your pendulum is swinging from being in a very high active state and now it's kind of going back into a rest state trusting that wow my body is so wise that it's doing it for me it's not it's not like a phone that has to wait to be plugged in right it just plugs itself in and you just get to allow that recharge to happen and instead of like unplugging it over and over
0: yeah we get in the way of our own self healing because the body truly is a perfect system yep. i think about this all the time like if i scratch myself or cut myself open or break a leg i literally don't have to do anything except for just wait for that to heal itself. Like, I can't believe that you can break a bone and with the right rest, it will literally heal itself. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to actually know enough information about making your bones go back together. Like, the only thing you have to do is stop fucking walking. Like, <laughs> or if you have a scratch, right? The best thing to do is to let that, like, heal, dry. Mm-hmm. Like, if you keep touching it, that's making it worse. hmm and so just remembering these things has allowed me to develop such a sacred relationship with the body. And I feel like when I'm really listening to the body, like I'm listening to God in a way. It, because yeah, absolutely. I am, because the body is God. Like it is nature, like it is creation. And so it has a divine wisdom that my mind can't in a million years compete with. Mm. And I think the problem with our society is that we're so disconnected from the body and we are identified with the mind. Mm-hmm. And so we experience a, signa- a signal from the body and then we have a story about that, which keeps us from actually tending to the signal coming from the body. Yeah. And so I have been divorcing myself from so many stories about what my body is doing or not doing. I used to flip the F out every single time I was bloated. I hated that feeling and I was like, how do I stop this? Now I'm just like, I guess that's just what the body is doing So like, I don't know, balance out the amount of sodium or something in my body. Like everything is intelligent. Whether mm-hmm. it's bloating, needing to go to the bathroom, needing to go to rest, everything is seeking harmony within my own body. And if I can align my mind to believe that, then I'm winning because I'm no longer in resistance to what is. And creating a life that actually mirrors the relationship and response I have to my own body has felt truly abundant because the abundant thing for me is not running my systems into the ground so that I can, like like you said, maximize profits. It's weight. The abundance is being able to take a break and then just resume when I feel better. Yes. Because abundance for me is not what I create. Abundance for me is how I feel. Yes. And I find that so many of us are like, oh, I don't want to rest because I want to get everything done. Yeah, so that you can rest. Exactly. (laughs) It's so backwards. So it's like, just take the break now because that's what you want. And then you can actually pursue all of those things without scarcity because you got the rest. Because... I find that people who do this thing where they're like, I need, to ta- I need to do all of these things quickly, quickly, quickly so that I can relax afterwards, so that I have time to relax. Yeah. But it's like you could just relax now and then you won't feel the rush and the anxiety during those tasks. Yeah. You could actually probably do them a lot faster, a lot more efficiently. And that takes experience. I didn't believe that. Initially, but now I'm like, oh, okay. Like I can feel when things start to feel hard again. You, you know what I mean. Like I start opening my emails and I'm like, "Um, (laughs) this feels hard. Like, and it's and it's an easy thing, right? But I know it's only feeling hard because I'm tired. And so then I take a little resty rest, and then I come back and all of a sudden everything's really easy again. I know how to read and type and send emails. (laughs) It's amazing.
1: Yes, you know, because that's the thing. It's not a skill level situation. It's not because you're not skilled to write the email. There's something in your body that's like, this is too much for me. It's It's not because you can't do it. It's just too much. And that's the thing. I think you know, we we spend so much time budgeting our money and timing, like our schedule and planning all of these things, but we are not budgeting our energy. And that is our most most important. And I was going to say lucrative, but that's not even the right word. It's it's just the most important currency over anything else, right? Energy TVH, over everything else. It does it does end up becoming
0: lucrative because if you know how to budget your energy, well, energy yeah. is what turns into things that you end up exchanging for money.
1: Totally. Um I just didn't want to use that word because it sounds too close to like productivity and like maximizing profit, but lucrative even in just your relationships, right? Lucrative in the mm. experience of even going to the forest and walking and actually being able to receive the benefits of being in nature. Like that's lucrative or abundant for me. Right. And so I think once you start to really kind of start analyzing, how are you budgeting your energy? You know, you and I talked about this past, this past week too about how there's a lot of things that I spend my energy on that I am not clocking in to my budget. There's a lot of things that I do in my day that I'm not using, like I'm not thinking about it as an energetic output. And so at the end of the day, it's like, why am I so tired? Because in my mind, I'm only clocking in like the work things, right? But I'm not clocking in the other interactions. Um, even going with Emmeline to a field trip for school, in my mind, that's fun, but that's still an energetic expense. There's still energy being like expended there. And I need to clock that in to make sure that my body is not doing too much. And so when you think about budgeting your money, I just would love to welcome everybody into starting to budget their energy, you know, because a lot of us are using an energetic credit card, right? We're mm. just putting it on the credit card and we're like, oh, I'll rest later. But in the end, you end up in millions of dollars in debt or a lot of hours of rest in debt, and it'll come back with a vengeance, right? Instead of a collector calling you- You're paying interest on that. Totally, your body's (laughs) gonna be calling you and it's going to shut down. And so are you overspending your energy? Are you in a deficit? Are you spending from debt in your energy? And if so, obviously you can listen to this episode and hopefully things will start to adjust. But even in that, I will say for both you and I, it has felt worse to start resting more in the beginning. It almost got worse before it got better because once your body and a nervous system perspective starts to actually notice, okay, she's allowing us to rest, it almost wants to like store rest because again, it's trying to catch up of that deficit, right? It's the same thing as when you start paying off that debt. It's like, yeah, that $100 payment is great. But you, you can see that there's so much more to pay back. Luckily, our bodies don't function the same way as actual debt, right? Um, it's amazing how a few nights of good rest and just this week of you taking care of yourself, how much that can actually impact that energetic deficit. You know, it's it doesn't work dollar for dollar, thankfully. Um, it really just is nurturing our bodies and responding to the calls of our bodies. And that's really enough. And trusting that your body knows what to do. You know, your body knows want to do more than your mind, because I think we always want to do quick fixes. You and I have talked about that too, that we try to take these shortcuts thinking that it's going to get us somewhere faster, but those quick fixes actually end up costing you more. It costs you 100%. way more. And in an effort to like save time, you spend more energy and more of your body's functioning. Um, and that to me is much more expensive than any profit I'm going to be losing hundred percent. It really mirrors like me
0: trying to save money on buying the cheapest thing (laughs) and then it breaking and then I have to buy the more expensive thing. It's like, well, that just ended up costing more money. And time. And time. I love this idea that you put forward though about the energetic debt. I'm Mm going to steal that because I actually think of almost everything now in terms of energy because everything is energy. Everything requires energy. So if I'm going to produce anything, I'm going to need energy for that. And being in an energetic debt position is the worst position you can be in because Mm -hmm. you don't have the valuable currency you need to be able to take any action in your life. And so that's I've started just prioritizing, um, like paying off my energetic credit card so that I can actually do the things that matter to me. Because if I'm in energetic debt, I literally, I feel so weighed down. Mm -hmm. I mean, consider financial debt. It feels like you... Have no freedom. Yeah. Right. People, you're so freaked out. So when I'm in energetic debt, there is no book being written. There is no podcast being recorded. There is no clients being helped. There are no walks being taken outside. Right. There's no joyful experience that's happening until I'm out of debt. And so I have been seeing my rest not as a I think I said this to you in a voice note, but I've noticed that my language sounds like, oh, I can't do, I don't feel like doing anything or Mm -hmm. like, oh man, I feel so tired. And then I like go take a nap, but there's like so much resistance there. Mm -hmm. So now I've actually started changing my language and saying, I want to rest. So that I'm actually, the action is actually aligned with a desire Mm -hmm. instead of the opposition of a desire. And it allows me to like sink into that experience more because I think a lot of us rest a bit like begrudgingly. We're like, oh, like I really need to get this thing done. But like, I'm so tired. So like, oh, I have to go like let rest my eyes or something. And then we're like resisting it. And then we're like not even sleeping when, we meaning, when we're meaning to rest. And so for me now, I'm like, no, I, I want to go do this. Like I want to go lay down. And it feels good to really accept and embrace that experience. And then I always come back way better.
1: Mm, yeah I love resting now, um, I think especially over the past, I would say for sure six months, but over the past year, it's been such a priority for me to have that alone time. I'm such a crab hermit where I just like to be alone a lot to disconnect from all of that stimulation and um just even conversations with people. Um, I like to have that, yeah, rest and recharge time for myself, and for me, it just feels like it really does feel like an inner mother. Like that feels really good to me, right? Like when I when I get to receive that kind of motherly nurturing and someone to advocate for my rest, that feels really good to me. So I love saying to my, myself, like, I'm going to give you rest. You know, we're, we're going to go to bed because that's going to really feel good to you. And even this week, you and I have been saying a lot, that feels good to my body. That feels mm-hmm. good to my body. Like yesterday we were supposed to have a call. You had a headache and I said, we're not going to have the call. And you were like, okay, thank you. That feels really good to my body and it feels like a gift, right? And I think when I think about that, like I love giving and receiving gifts. And so for me, rest is like the best gift you can give to yourself. And so that has felt really supportive to me. And it's created this like more bricks in my road of self-love and self-communication um, and relationship and trust because now my body does trust that I'm going to advocate for it. My body trusts that I'm going to take care of it and I trust that I'm gonna be able to take care of it, right? Because before I definitely had an identity where I didn't know how to take care of myself, I wasn't good at it, I didn't know how to talk to my body. That's been quite interesting. Obviously, as a somatic coach, all of my work is really baked into listening and communicating with our bodies and tuning into what our body is telling us. But I remember before, like I never knew what the hell my body was saying. I didn't even know what that even meant to be connected to your body. I'm like, I am connected to my body. I'm in it. Right. But to mm, actually but you were in to, your head. I was in my head. And in so many of my coaching sessions, it's like, what do you feel? And then when you ask somebody what they feel in their body, they go right to what they're thinking in their head. Right. Instead of saying, oh, I'm feeling You know, tension in my stomach or in my throat or in my back. They're like, well, I think that Mm -hmm. blah 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 blah. So it's so interesting that it's we as a society we we're not used to checking in with our bodies. We're only used to checking in with with our minds. And so if this practice feels kind of clunky to you, you're not alone. That's totally normal. Um, But you can start to just get curious of yeah, what am I feeling sensationally in my body? Like, do my legs feel weak? Do they feel strong? Like actually just tune in again to those senses and just start there and see, yeah, see what comes up because it's incredible in some of these sessions, especially inside of the Unlayered Self, we've been coaching our wonderful members inside of that program. And it's been so beautiful to see all of the revelations that they've had simply by starting to develop a conversation with their bodies. Hey, Spiralers, we found something that we could not wait to tell you about. We have got for you some spiritual tea. Actually, it's not tea at all, but (laughs) it is our new favorite meditation app, Superhuman. We are literally obsessed with this. I love it because unlike other meditation apps we've used before, it has meditations you can do as you go about your day, not just when you're sitting or lying down. My favorite are the getting ready ones that are about 20 minutes long with affirmations that you can listen to as you start your morning Or the midday pep talks, which are only two or three minutes long. And they even have specific tracks for moms.
0: Yeah, there's so many options. And I really like how these meditations are aimed at helping you tap into the emotions of what you want to attract. Mm -hmm. They're accompanied with really moving, motivational musical tracks. And they're just not boring. They don't just ask you to sit there and try to clear your mind. Instead, I feel like I'm in my own music video and I'm tuning into the frequency of my future self.
1: Yeah, I actually feel like I'm in my own movie when I'm listening to them. I know. Me too. Especially when I'm doing the walking
0: ones. There's like Mm -hmm. specific walking ones where Mimi's voice who actually voices all of the tracks. She's like, and as you walk into your future, (laughs) I literally feel like I'm commanding this energy. And that's the entire point of the meditation is to really tune into a higher frequency. And so with our code, you can try the superhuman app with one free month. In addition to their trial offer of two complimentary weeks, that's six entire free weeks to tune
1: into the frequency of your highest timeline. It's so abundant. We want you to try it for yourself and let us know what you think because you have absolutely nothing to lose and you can redeem your free six weeks of the Superhuman app now by clicking the link in our show notes and using the code Higher with no spaces.
0: We know you're going to love this one and we feel confident that your vibrations are going to spiral higher. Yeah. I mean, like you said it's always talking to us and I think, you know, my journey was that I just hated all sensations. Like <laughs> yeah. I would just prefer to be kind of numb. Mm-hmm. But then that feeling started to become really unbearable too. Yeah. So, I definitely deal with like dissociative tendencies. Um like if something feels like too much, it's not a conscious choice, but my body's like we're out of here. And Mm -hmm. like, I just leave and occupy my mind. And I can talk and talk and talk circles around anyone. But I'm not making contact with the sensations. And so it has been wildly. um, It has been a wildly courageous journey for me to like inhabit my own body, because I do sometimes feel really uncomfortable. And I'm like, wow, this is why i used to leave mm-hmm. and sometimes i still do and i don't really have control over it so what i'm working on right now is just like widening like my tolerance for something that feels really uncomfortable yeah. but also understanding like weaving that with the understanding that the uncomfortable thing is only happening because i have a need that's not being met mm-hmm. and so learning to meet the need rather than like trying to understand Like what this means about me that I'm feeling this really has like nipped that um, overthinking in the bud because I would just think, think, think so long about why I felt tired instead of just solving the problem, which is just getting
1: the rest. Well, that reminds me of if I was at your house and I was feeling sick and you're like, why are you feeling sick? Mm -hmm what's wrong with you? Why are you sick? Why is that happening? Why is that? That would be so annoying. (laughs) That would be so frustrating for the person who's sick and literally just wants to rest. If someone's incessantly asking you why this is happening, but that's often what we're doing to ourselves. And to your point about the window of tolerance, I mean, I will also add that for some people, it, It is necessary to numb because, again, that's your body's way of being in balance, right? Because whatever is happening is too much for you, the way that you're processing it or the way that you're experiencing it. And so, in a lot of ways, that too is the intelligence of the body balancing for you. So, it is tolerable. But of course, the goal is to increase that window of tolerance so that you are able to be with whatever's happening. With a lot of understanding and compassion, and being able to accept it and be be with it in the way that it's presenting itself to you, Um, but sometimes it takes time to get to that point where you can have that capacity for that, Um, and so you can kind of slowly increase that window of tolerance for yourself, um, just like you and I are doing right now. But yeah, I think I think the other thing that I want everyone to hear is just to be patient and not rush things. Um, and just to trust the pace of your body, just like we said earlier, going at the speed of nature, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it can feel like, you know, you have this great breakthrough and sometimes it's like bit by bit by bit, but again, trusting the timing of your body, um, so that we're not basically re-traumatizing ourselves into another, you know, pattern, um, by forcing ourselves when it's, when it's forcing ourselves to go quicker than we're able to.
0: Yeah. And I think if you're someone like me, you have to go about that process alongside doing some conscious thought work. So that looks like getting curious about why you actually think rest is bad, right? Did you grow up in a household where your parents yelled at you for taking a nap and made you do chores instead? Like maybe they made you feel bad. That was like a lot of Asian households, right? Like napping was like selfish and ungrateful. It's like there are things to do around here, like get up or like do your homework, right? So exploring that and then also exploring this notion that productivity is superior. Like, is it right? Like, what is the goal of productivity? What is the intention behind that? Is what you are seeking at the end of your productivity, the ability to rest? Okay, interesting. Why do you believe you actually need to earn your rest, Mm -hmm. right? We don't earn bathroom breaks. They just have to happen in order for our, our functioning to continue in a proper way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I would just do a lot of curious thought work around this. It just looks like getting curious, asking those questions and wondering why.
1: Why and how do i do like, this who wants me to be productive so for me i actually never had that pressure of working really hard just so i could rest rest was just not even on the radar for me at all like i just, that was not a goal it was for me to be super productive and make a ton of money and to be successful double my income blah 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 i mean that was just me chasing worth and value right so when i got really curious behind who wants me to do this I, it became very clear that it was just a part of me that felt like i wasn't enough and so when i got to unpack that and obviously do a lot of healing work around, I'm already enough. I love you regardless of how much you produce or don't produce. When I've been able to develop that deep self-love, now resting or not resting, whatever I do, I don't do, it doesn't really have an impact on my worth and my value. And so from that place, you're able to make decisions so much more clearly. Like I've talked to you about this recently a lot too, that my North Star, my decision-making tool is my nervous system. That's how I make my decisions on how many clients I take, how often I travel, when I travel, when I take my breaks, when I rest, when I eat my lunch, all of that stuff revolves around me tuning Literally the vehicle, right? How can I take care of my body and my nervous system in the best way so that I'm in my window of tolerance? And that has been my north star, and it's really been serving me quite well. Mm-hmm. I would even take it a step further and say
0: that you can actually exit the paradigm of worth and value altogether. Like instead of like trying to even figure out like what that is and how to get that, it's like just leave needing to get that. That's actually what my book's all about because I find that trying to get worth it's a losing game because what are, you re- what are you really trying to get, right? I had this realization not that long ago where I was like, oh, worthy is just giving me permission to be in the present moment. That's really weird. Like, because I kept trying to figure out like, what is that? Like, what is that emotion? Like, why Why am I trying to become worthy? Like, what does that grant me? And it really was just this permission to be left alone by my Interesting. own Interesting. <laughs>
1: Mine is definitely more, I think I was not opening the door and window for me to receive love for myself. So for me, it was more about, um, yes, of course, you don't have to chase self-worth. And that was the discovery is, oh, I don't need to chase it because it's already here. Mm -hmm. But that first layer was then met with, but I don't, I don't have any, like, I don't love myself. I didn't, I couldn't access that feeling. There was still a block there and I had to unpack that. Um. So once I was able to really open up those floodgates and really let that in, and I had to uncover what part of me is blocking that. And for me, there was a level of unsafety that came with receiving love. Um. You know, safety in our bodies really equals familiarity. If something doesn't feel familiar, it's not going to feel safe to your body, even something like receiving love, right? So mm-hmm. growing up in or my Or being in the present moment. Exactly. Right. We're so used to living in the future or in the past. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel right to be in the present moment because that's not familiar. And so once I got to unpack that, it was like, oh, okay, so I just get to introduce me to receiving love so that it becomes more familiar. Right now, receiving love for myself, saying positive things about myself, even when you say positive things to me. That actually feels more comfortable than it did a few months ago, simply because I've exposed myself to it. So a lot of it is like also exposure therapy, even just for like the self-love thing and the rest, right? We have to create that level of safety and familiarity now, um, step by step, bit by bit. And that has been, that's been my journey.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like not seeing the rest as dangerous anymore because I think a lot of us saw it as the threat yes. to our productivity, which is the key to our self-worth, right? Yeah. But once you untangle all of these knots, you're like, oh, those were never related. No. And that is actually... Like, what a relief. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just say, I mean, you talked about the car, right? It's so funny because the way to maintain the value of the car would be to actually continue to get it checked and updated and change the oil and like yeah. not drive it into the ground. Like that yes. would actually
1: help you maintain the worth. So it's just funny because I don't know. I found and that an doing interesting parallel. The things that aren't necessarily just the bare minimum, right? Yeah, of course, get an oil change and put gas in, right? But will you wash your car? Will you like shine the windows? Will you shine the wheels? Like if we were to actually nurture ourselves, extra on top of just the bare minimum like you said the value of the car would actually be greater you know when you're buying a used vehicle when you meet an owner who's like oh like i used to wash it like every day and i used to do this and that there's just a the level of trust that you have that the the car is going to be in better condition but yeah what if we did that for ourselves instead of waiting until we're breaking down and having like a complete shutdown to rest like what if you did that before you needed it You know, I think we're so used to just waiting for the wheel to fall off before we replaced it. And now it's about, can we take care of the wheel to, I guess, increase the longevity of it? Um, Yeah. So I think a lot of people, especially moms, I'll say for sure, a lot of my mom friends, like we just wait until we are bouncing up the walls with anger and frustration and rage. And then that's when we'll be like, okay, I need a day off. You know, Mm -hmm. that's when we'll say, I need help. Yeah. And that's also
0: mirrored too by the Western world's healthcare system. It's very like, let's treat the symptoms, yeah. um, not let's take care of preventing the cause. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think there's there's so many factors at play here that contribute to this worldview and lifestyle. But um, I'm realizing that I have to, if I really want to be well, I have to go against The grain. I have to go against the norm because the norm in the Western world is to wait until things are too bad and then you have to go and get acute healthcare. Yes. And usually you're going to be medicated or whatever, right? So that the healthcare system can make money. So, me taking care of myself and preventing that is literally against what everyone else is doing
1: but go with your grain, right? That's the whole thing, right? Is go with your body because even you and me, like our bodies are very different and sometimes we're hanging out and you need to eat and I don't or right. So like even in that, like a lot of times, um, I don't know, sometimes I will be starving, not now, but before it'd be like, I'd be really hungry, but the person that I'm with is not. So I'm like, Oh, I'll just wait. Right. Like we ignore our body cues even then. Um, but I think now it's just all about, yeah, going against everyone else's grain, but going with your grain and finding out what that is. And that is a trial and error process. I know one of our members instead of the unmarried self too is, you know, just trying to figure out like what feels good. I remember her saying that, um She was resting and she was kind of chilling out, watching a show she really wanted to watch, just kind of resting on her couch, but that also didn't feel good. And we had a whole discussion about that, that sometimes it just takes time to learn, right? Just like a baby. Sometimes you're like, do you want a diaper change? Do you want a cuddle? Do you need to nap? And sometimes it takes a little bit of time for us to figure out what is the signal from my body telling me. Um, And so if you're kind of noticing that, okay, resting also doesn't feel good. That's also sometimes part of it is just learning again, what is the language of my body and doing a little bit of trial and error um, to meet the need. You know, I don't give up the first time I try to give Sam advice and it doesn't work or whatever. If it doesn't land, it's like, then I just keep on, we just keep on talking, right? So, um, how can you offer yourself that same um, kind of support that just is you're, that you're willing to take the time to get to know yourself well enough to know what kind of rest you need in every given moment? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the final things I'll say is that if rest feels bad, it's only because
0: you have a conflicting thought that goes against it. Because rest is actually supposed to feel good. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Rest is actually restorative. Literally, that is the short version of the word. And so if it doesn't feel that way and you're competing with yourself or fighting yourself against it, you're really just fighting up, up against a thought that says that it's bad. So my call to action for all of you listening is, to ask yourself, why do I think rest is bad? Or why do I think productivity is good? right? These questions are going to eventually get you
1: down to the root of what is causing the resistance to what you so very need. Yeah, you're right. The perspective is really important because even when I was coming off of my adrenaline addiction, um, I did feel terrible. It was very much a detox of my body that felt very much like coming off of drugs because of my body was so used to getting these hits of adrenaline and dopamine and it wasn't getting it. Even though I was resting a lot, it still felt really terrible because of the come off of that, right? That, that drop off. But when I thought about what was actually happening, it actually did feel good. Even though my body felt really tired and exhausted, what felt really good to me was knowing that my body was adjusting. Right. So it mm. actually did feel good, even though it felt physiologically, maybe worse, right? Um, Energetically, I knew what was happening and that my body was shifting, even with my migraine, like my migraine was so painful. And all I was doing was resting. So it didn't necessarily feel good. But what felt good was knowing that my body was coming back to coherence. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I even said to you in that voice note, I can literally feel my body inching towards like, Back into um, coming out of that energetic deficit and energetic debt. So yeah, hopefully this episode was helpful. Um, we would love to, as always, hear your takeaways and um, your any epiphanies or any added anything you want to add to this conversation, please share with us inside of the community. Get to know some other conscious friends in there. Um, our last community call was so good. So, so I know. so powerful. I love everyone who comes to the community calls. Me too.
0: We have new members each month. We have some regular veterans who've been coming since, I think, March or April since we started. And uh, we actually won't be hosting a call in November, but we're going to put up a couple of the replays into the free community. So if you're feeling like you want to just be in the energy of people who are looking at their stuff, who are looking to raise their vibes, and who are looking to be consciously curious, you are in the right place. I really can't say more about the the group, like everyone in there is so enlightening. And if you have any questions about what you're going through on your journey, um, Gina and I answer questions in there. And also you're going to get really thoughtful answers from the community members too.
1: Yes. They've been amazing with their responses. Some of them are like essay long responses, which has been really cool to read. And, you know, when you come to these calls, often we let you guys connect with each other. And there've been a lot of beautiful friendships and relationships that have formed from that. Um, And again, you can take it offline, right? Connecting on Instagram or maybe just through email or whatever to be able to create a bigger network of people who are doing this work, I think is one of the most supportive things you can do for you and your body.
0: So join us. It's completely free. There is going to be a link at the bottom of the show notes and we can't wait to talk to you guys in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey.
1: If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests.
0: And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this
1: episode impacted you. Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like minded people on their healing journey. Here's to Spiraling Higher.